This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is sponsored by the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists. For more about UBCP Actra, visit ubcp.com. That's ubcp.com. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Firminger. My mission is to pull back the curtain on Vancouver's film and television industry and expose its beating heart, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom style, by getting deep and down and a little dirty with the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. Today... I am delighted to welcome Sarah Edmondson to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Sarah Edmondson is smart, like really, really, really smart. She's damn funny. She's so talented. She's an NBL, a natural born leader. All that is to say that she doesn't seem like the kind of person who would get swept up in a cult. And not just get swept up into a cult, but become one of its biggest recruiters and champions. And yet that is part of Sarah's story. As is how Sarah escaped the cult and worked to bring it down. You might have heard Sarah recount her story in the first season of CBC Podcast's hit series, Uncover, Escaping Nexium. You might have seen Sarah on the front page of the New York Times, folding down the front of her jeans to reveal the angry red scar that she received as part of a horrific branding ritual. You might have seen her doing the media rounds talking about her new book, Scarred, the true story of how I escaped Nexium, the cult that bound my life. What you might not know is that Sarah is one of us. She's a cherished member of the Vancouver film and television community. You might not know that Sarah worked hard to bring actors and other industry insiders into the Nexium fold, making the Vancouver branch of Nexium one of the busiest and big, biggest in the Nexium ecosystem. You might not know that some of the individuals who have visited our studio got something, something valuable, something still relevant to their lives, despite the more sinister aspects of Nexium, which involved branding and brainwashing and trafficking that they still rely upon today, and that many of them stepped into Nexium and utilized their executive success program because of Sarah. You might not know that even I was invited to check out Nexium and ESP by some well-known people who I still love and trust with my whole heart. So today we're going to talk about Sarah's journey from here to there and back again. We're going to talk about Nexium's impact on our local film and television industry. And we're going to talk about what Sarah wants next as she moves forward in her career and her life with Nexium in the rear view mirror. Sarah Edmondson, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, I do need to give a bit of a disclaimer. Uh, regular listeners to our podcast will note that we pretty much record in an alley uh, of a 
organic grocery store. We hear the angry drivers dropping off kale and stuff. Uh, a new thing, though, from uh, more recent weeks is that there is literally construction going on in our office block in the math studio next door, and they always seem to record, or they always seem to be doing their thing right when I'm right when I hit record, and that those construction sounds uh, sound like farts. <laughs> so it's not me, it's not Sarah, and uh, the mics are really good. So hopefully it will not pick up too much. But Sarah, hi, how are you? I'm I'm well, and thank you for that lovely statement. Um, it actually got me kind of emotional to hear hear everything recounted and and encapsulated like that. And especially when you said <laughs> cherished member of the community, because I do I feel, I, the community is very important to me. The Vancouver. Uh, film and TV community, and I feel like it, you know it's been twenty years. I, I yeah. moved here in two thousand, back from Montreal, where I, was, I got my theater degree. And Ooh. yeah, so it's been twenty. I've been twenty years back in Vancouver, and a big chunk of that, as you know, I was swept up and caught up in all the ESP stuff, and there was definitely a division there for me. So to to feel like I'm kind of finding that the community again, and yeah. to feel welcomed, and when you said cherished, it. It made me verklempt. You are cherished. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, and I love that word, verklempt. Such a good one. <laughs> All right, so we are, we were talking before I hit record, um, we're not going to be going into all of the salacious details with awesome. regard to Nexium. Uh, we are not going to be going into a lot of stuff that was covered in the incredible Escaping, Escaping Nexium podcast that was produced by your childhood friend that you mm -hmm. went to like Jewish camp with, which yeah. I think that's amazing. Uh, and a lot of the stuff from the book. Our focus, I think, today is really about your journey as an artist and your journey with Nexium as it relates to the Vancouver th uh, film and television community, mm -hmm. because that was a big... I remember, like my first, the first time I heard about it was when a really good friend of mine was like, "Hey, you know, you're so driven, and you know, I think what would help you get to the next level is you should come to my women's group, and it's called this and this and this," mm. and uh, and it, you know, it's a lot of people that I care about ha ha were involved with Nexium, so mm. I think let's let's go back in time. Okay, I want to I want to meet nine year old. I want to meet nine-year-old Sarah. What kind of a what kind of a kid were you, and and what did you want to be when you grew up? Mm. Nine was a particularly awkward stage. Oh, really? Yeah, I was. I had buck teeth. I I think I got glasses. I think I got glasses more like ten or eleven. But um, I mean that got even. I mean, picture purple glasses. Mm -hmm. I had um, big red Sally Jesse glasses. Oh, I, had the, yeah. I had those too. Yeah. I should have brought them to show you. Yeah. Like the big red ones. <laughs> and then at the same time, I had braces. Oh. And at some, one point, I like braided my hair. I was kind of like a wannabe hippie. That was mm -hmm. more like 11 or 12. But I think nine, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've always seen, looking back, I've always seen myself as, in, one, in many ways, I was, I like the word you said, NBL. I've never heard that before, a natural born leader. Like I was, I, and, and other I, I don't know if that's even a thing. thing. I just I just made it up. You made it up. I think yeah. Hashtag NBL. NBL. I hope it doesn't stand for something else. We better look. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Natural born leader. I love it. Thank yeah. you. Um. And I and I do think that's true. But I was also like never like quite popular until I mean I didn't really find my my groove until probably even until grade 12 or even university yeah um I was never one of the jocks or like you know I wasn't invited to the hip parties or whatever and which now I don't care about but of course that's what you care about in, in high school of course yeah uh, but I was a theater geek for sure and that came later but when I was nine 
you know, my parents split up when I was two, and I was um, always just kind of craving, you know, I felt, I felt very, very lonely. Yeah. I always wanted, like, a best friend, like, having the best friend and finding a place for belonging, which is something I do talk about in the book. And when I tried to figure out, you know, how did this happen to me? And, and it's something that I've learned from all the research I've done on cults is that often people are looking for community, looking for belonging, looking to feel um, part of something important yeah, and to feel welcomed and loved. And I, I do think that was part of my journey when I look back at being nine. I, mean, I remember longing for, you know. That longing. Yeah, yeah. Longing is such a big part, too, of of the actor's life and the mm-hmm. actor's existence. Um, but before we talk about that, because that's yeah. like that, that is something I really want to spend some time on. I, I also this idea that we are that we are all susceptible to to cults to being seduced by cults mm-hmm. um, that like you know I, I talked about the fact that you are smart and you're funny mm-hmm. I did not mention the fact that what was your parents profession well my mom is a therapist my dad's a well, he's retired now but was a school counselor and yeah yeah so I, so, I was raised in this. So the child of people who are professionals, you know, dealing in this realm, like even even you with those kind of tools that you had, you were susceptible to seduction. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you what do you think are some of the um, the misconceptions that people have about you called it the C word before went on the record. But I'm going to say cults if you're you're okay with that, because C words mean something different to me. I know. I know. Yeah. (laughs) What kind of misconceptions do you think that you held about cults before your experience with one you know I wasn't that educated on cults and I think that we're not we're still not now although more so because it's become kind of a, a thing in media and pop culture with Leah Remini taking down Scientology oh, and, all know, hail Leah all Remini hail honestly Leah Remini. she's amazing she's like my my hero um but 12 years ago plus 14 so 15 16 years ago when I got into this in 2005 what is it 15 years ago now I can do math <laughs> I still can't it's too early my coffee's not count can't. all right yeah kick that in um, so 2005 <laughs> this was like even before you know life coaching and personal development had really had a big upswing as it even is still popular now but my, my conceptions at that time of cults were even loosely in my head things like Jonestown and mm-hmm. people drinking Kool-Aid and you know people in robes and chanting and things that were very very strange and yeah. out there and I think or Heaven's Gate and people committing mass suicide and things you know terrible things like that but even still I wasn't educated on that I wasn't well researched it's things I'd heard about or references in pop culture and things like that yeah so I think the people's misconceptions is that, you know, well, A, that you have to be stupid mm-hmm. to be caught up in something like that or broken or vulnerable. And I and I, f- I do think that the, what is true is that there is a vulnerability, and the, but the vulnerability isn't necessarily bad because if you don't have any vulnerability, you're just this hard shell of a robot person, right? Yeah. So I think my particular vulnerability um, well, is what we were just talking about, that is wanting to be part of something important and also um, you know striving to be successful and to be the best version of myself and that's not necessarily successful monetarily but I, w- I wanted to do meaningful work in the world I yeah. wanted to have an impact on on people's lives and um, you know my journey into into the group was through what the bleep which was a film that at the time yeah I remember that. remember that film it was it was groundbreaking this is before the secret yeah and before all these other sort of self-development and and um, 
and uh, you know, they, they, it they, spoke to something in did. the zeitgeist for sure, especially in those years after 9 11, mm-hmm. you know, and after a lot of us had grown up in the 90s, you know, with under undergrudge and the lack of meaning. And then there was something like what the bleep where we could we could all focus on on something and there was some hope, you yeah. know, we could take back some power. I saw it twice actually, uh, two sold out screenings at no Tinseltown. Way. Yeah. No way. yeah. So you could imagine that after seeing it and being like, oh my God, I could shift consciousness through media and yeah. and that was really a pull for me then to meet Mark Vicente the director of the of what the bleep and him basically saying if you like bleep and he actually told me he didn't really even like bleep anymore given the new thing he had found wow so I was like well if you you know if I trust you and you um like this other thing yeah. then I'm gonna like this other thing and I want it and I want it to be aligned with him yeah so that is that if that's a vulnerability, you know, to to be wanting to shift the world through consciousness or have yeah. meaning or whatever, I'll take it. And he believed it. He believed it. It oh, wasn't yeah. like he was sitting there, you know, not believing it. No. Are there people though, do you feel in like looking back mm-hmm. at that chain of people? Because it, like in the end, it's very much like it was a cult of personality, mm-hmm. you know, with like a deity, you know, up on the at, at the top. Do you think even he, the deity who We'll just call K, you know, that he believed it? Or was it just like narcissism? Or like, do you think that he believed what he was? No, I I mean, now I actually believe that he was planning this as a con. And he's he's an extreme sociopathic, narcissistic, sex addicted. He fooled fooled the Dalai Lama for crying out loud. Well, that's the other thing. When people say, oh, you got to be stupid to get caught in a cult. Well, you know, well, then Dalai Lama is... You know, they had meetings about how they were going to impact the world. Yeah. You know, there's lots of various celebrities that obviously I won't name that, you know, because really it's it's about trust. Yeah. I think Keith, or Kay, um, <laughs> wasn't out there in the world recruiting. He had people doing that for him, like myself later, and then, you know, people like Mark. We were our, his foot, foot, foot shoulder. For shoulders. You got, wow. Wow. We, we were his foot soldiers. You got there. I got there. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> I didn't do a vocal warm up before this. Was um, that an option? We should have done that. We I can break if you want and do a vocal warm up. Sure. I was actually thinking that your voice sounded really good when you introduced me, by the way. so. Oh, thank I, you. That's my podcast voice. It was a really And then it topic. doesn't stick around. <laughs> um, but uh, there was a thought there that we were just talking. Oh, yeah. So people... But people come based on trust. I think yeah. if I had met Keith and Keith was like, I'm selling this program, I'd be like, you're a sleazy douchebag. Yeah. You know? But I met Mark and he full full heartedly believed it and I trusted him. I'd seen what the bleep and here I was meeting the director of what the bleep and it was very exciting. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I can go back and I can pick apart all those moments and go, shit, I shouldn't have trusted him without looking at Keith's credentials, for yeah. example. But course hindsight is 2020 and one of the reasons why I wrote the book so people can read it and go okay if I'm being invited into something these are some steps I should take and not just jump in blindly yeah what I found interesting about about the book is that you there were moments where you had some alarm bells going off I mean you you wrote about that first the first five day you know where you go and you get the rundown of Mm -hmm. the now I know rundown that's a Scientology thing but like it's Mm -hmm. it's but it's essentially the same thing you go and you get your introduced to uh the 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 concept of ESP and Nexium in a holiday in (laughs) you know I you're watching some really weird video the first day and you had been told by Mark it's 
like you got to push through that, and then mm-hmm. you'll get there. But you did have bullshit, yeah, alarms going off. Absolutely. You know, uh, do you think that if that, like, what did that teach you? That that all it oh, I, I experienced yeah. teach you about trusting your your instinct and and your guts. Do you have more faith now in in your instincts? You know, it's taken me a while to rebuild them. Yeah, because. 12 years of doing that of saying okay I have an alarm bell and I'm going to override that because I trust somebody and I've committed but also when you put more time into something the more and more you invest it's like same thing with the abusive relationship there's that voice going oh I got to get out but like you know but we have a we got to have kids together or whatever whatever it is that's keeping keeping you invested so yeah I learned a lot about my intuition and I learned a lot about why I do the things that I do and part of it you know with with Mark was that I I trusted him and I liked him and I wanted him to like me and I was like well and I paid my money so I might as well finish it yeah not knowing that you can be very deeply brainwashed within a couple of days if that's you know what you're that's open with, that to. for me yeah. was so shocking mm-hmm. that it can happen that quickly yeah you can come very, very quickly if you're open. And there yeah. are lots of people that came in that were maybe dragged by spouses or whoever. Like, you know, if you don't take this program, I'm going to break up with you. And yeah. so they came. They weren't open. They yeah. weren't. They were not easy to work with. And they left unscathed. And many, in fact, many people left unscathed. It's people that like myself who made it their lives and, and dedicated time and energy to you know going up the the path, as it were. The path. I love mm-hmm. how many cults use that kind of. I know. Did you see there. the path? Uh, no, but isn't doesn't Scientology have a bridge? Yeah, they got a, yeah. They got a bridge. <laughs> but there's a series called The Path. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, and it's about a cult in upstate New York. I was like, oh my god, did somebody write this? What? Who escaped Nexium? It's really good, but it's more a spiritual cult. Um, but a lot of similarities, you know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, oh, can I add one more thing about the intuition? Absolutely not. No, of course. <laughs> <laughs> So, Damn it, Sarah. <laughs> I wanted to, when you talk about like the, the preconceptions about people's, you know, how they get involved, it's important to know that when we got there on day one, they, they specifically said, you're going to feel uncomfortable. Mm. And if you feel uncomfortable, it means that we're bringing up an issue that you want to work on. If you don't work on it here, where are you going to work on it? God, I, it's such gaslighting. It's such gaslighting, right? And then I also thought, to, thought back to like other acting workshops I'd been in where they were incredibly uncomfortable. And I pushed through and had a huge growth, you know? Mm. So there's truth in that, right? Yeah. There's truth in, like, you know, got to get vulnerable and, like, whatever and and feel those deep things and then you over, overcome the other side and you're strong as fuck or whatever, right? Yeah. So that nugget... God, actors were so primed to, to be taken advantage yeah. of by this by this program. Sure, and also because you really want to... You want to go up the path of your own journey of success, yeah. right? Everybody wants that. I think. Otherwise, what's the point, like, of being an actor if you're not going to grow and evolve and be not necessarily be better, uh, you know, in the commercial sense, but like, you know, keep evolving. You can't, yeah. You can't keep doing the same thing. You're going to go crazy. Right? Let's talk a little bit about why actors were such a a ripe population, <laughs> you know, for this. I mean, because yeah. you know, so in in the in the chronology of things, right. you you come on board and you 
it, it you find something in this and you're like you just get totally embroiled and you want to share it with everybody too and so and then you are out there a lot in our community yeah. you know and and f- finding other people mm-hmm. you know and and unlocking something in them mm-hmm. to the point where Vancouver ends up being like this huge center yeah. you know for ESP for so let's just be clear so Nexium's the company ESP was the program yeah Nexium's right? the parent company that actually wasn't even a word I used yeah when I was involved it was ESP it was always ESP I was, I, yeah we were espions yeah thespian espions yeah you were yeah and we <laughs> we were very proud of that yeah but I would say I mean there's two things one's just logistics every center had its sort of echelon you know in Mexico because the people that opened it were wealthy businessmen and from politics it was that type of people it was yeah. people in um, like very wealthy um Elite, yeah, lots of power suits <laughs> and fancy parties and very glitzy. I mean, there know? was some major, major money wrapped up. Yes, in this. I mean, the the Bronfmans are is a name that is literally wrapped up in yes. this. Yeah, yeah. And Vancouver was not that. There was a lot of <laughs> there was a lot of starving actors. Yeah. In fact, I used to. We get had shit. the Edmondsons, <laughs> damn it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually am the honorable. Just so you know, my 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 dad is British and he's a lord. Um, oh. and, which makes me honorable, which is cool because, you know, you are say honor- the honorable. We Edmondson. have the honorable Edmondson here yes, today with you. us. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Can't believe I just said that. Okay. Um, so, but so the nature of Mark and I getting involved, and to be clear, when I started the center with Mark's, we became business partners. Mm-hmm. I kind of, and not kind of, I full on rode the coattails of what the bleep, you know? Yeah. People, I would say, have you seen what the bleep? Like, I just partnered with Mark and we were doing this thing, and we were so fired up. And our vision, Mark and I still want to talk about doing this is to have a center where people come and work on themselves, work on their goals, work on whatever their personal limitations were so they could take themselves and their careers to the next level. Yeah. And we had got this beautiful space and we were going to get people together and do script reading and we, and Mark was training me to produce, wow. which is by the way something I still want to do and, okay. and you're going to you will. And I will. Yes, and that's once I, you know, get through the diaper phase of my my second child and all that stuff, then yes. I'm full on mom right now, but yeah. we'll get to that, bookmark that for later. Yeah, we will. Putting a pin in it. Putting a pin in it. Um, lost my train of thought, acting. Oh, yeah. So we Opening were, a center opening where a you center. could do some yeah. work on ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And and that was really exciting. And we were going to have one in LA and in New York. And it was, it, we wanted to be the place that artists would come to take their lives to the next level and work on any limitations within them that would um, stop them from going there. And that was something that I truly believed because I had experienced it. Yeah. And I had done things like, you know, I used to have extreme uh, nerves with auditioning. I, I'd go into an audition, I'd literally go into fight or flight, check out of my body. Yeah. And come, and then I'd go, I don't even know what happened. And it, all the things you're supposed to do to connect and to play and be present and all those things, I just couldn't do. And I, in ESP, I did the process where you unhook patterns and I overcame that yeah so I then was able to say to other people if you're nervous in auditions we have a tool that will help you get through that in in less than an hour if, if it's a good experience if it, it's done properly yeah and I knew that's possible now I know you can also do that in various modes of therapy yeah which is basically what Kate stole is um, a number of different methodologies that he kind of tweaked and repackaged and, and tried to get it patented. Yeah. And we were told at the time it was patent pending. <laughs> and mm. I thought it was totally unique and special and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so I was very, when I met people, my my draw to them was like, if I had met you, I would I would want to know who you were and what you were passionate about and figure out why you weren't 
going to the places that you want to and I'd be, and then I'd show them how the five day would help them with that thing yeah and because of the nature of you know who you know all the actors knowing actors knowing actors yeah. it grew very very quickly and I think that there's a truth in this my, or my observation I still see this where people um, or actors everywhere have if even if they're the best actor and they're emotionally connected and they can do all the things you're supposed to do if they don't have business savvy or they don't have hmm. people skills or they don't know how to like ask for what they want in a contract or they don't know how to talk to their agent about their goals those are those are things that n- you don't necessarily get taught in theater school or in yeah. acting school and so I really saw myself as a mentor to a lot of people yeah. who wanted to and I you know help people from very basic to like you know getting an agent or doing their helping the steps of doing their voice demo reel or um what else um wor- you know working on their their fear of, of breaking up with their agent or whatever their, whatever it was I would say oh, you're here and you're trying to go here what's in the way and let's work on that yeah and I love that I in fact I spent 12 years like what happened to my career I spent 12 years working in other people's careers yeah and um, that was actually one of the things that was starting. I don't think I mentioned this in the book, but just towards the end when everything blew up, I was like, I've just put aside all of my dreams to help others, which is which is great. And I'm glad that I did that. But I, I forgot that I, I'm also an actor and wanted to I keep growing myself, which is why I'm, I'm going to get back to, I think, get back to acting and producing. Yeah. So. I mean, and you have been. You have been acting. Yes, since, I have been. Right? Yeah, I have been. In fact, um, that's why actually one of my favorite parts in the book when I escape Albany on a train and my agent's like, "Are you free for this movie of the week?" And I'm like, uh, "I didn't audition <laughs> for that, but sure, thank you, universe." Um, yeah, it's very. It's been very welcome. The community in general has been very welcoming back. In what ways, though, do you think the community up here was harmed? by ESP and Nexium. Um cuz it seems yeah. like there's a lot of a lot of good ways of thinking that mm-hmm. come that came out of it, right? Yeah. And that people are still using to vision themselves, you know, into mm-hmm. into success and yeah. all these things, you know? Like there's some really wonderful decent people who who were involved. Yeah, wonderful. And some yeah. of them are still good friends of mine and some of them have literally run for the hills. Yeah. And I don't see anymore and I totally get that and I respect it, but it's hard because yeah. we were all so close for so long. But I mean, who wants to be associated with a sex cult, right? Yeah. Like, I get it. Go save your career, you know, go protect yourself and move on. Yeah. Um, but I think that they were harmed in, you know, the, through association. People yeah. will look at them and go, oh, you were you were part of that group? Like, yeah. They're, they're so dark and everyone assumes that they were part of the sex stuff, which, you know, that didn't happen for for and most people in Vancouver, unless they moved to Albany, and like settled settled down there. They many of the people didn't even meet Keith. Yeah, they, and wouldn't have known what was no. what was going on. No, because yeah. Keith didn't come to Vancouver. I had a center with Mark, and we worked on people's goals and helped yeah. them with their lives. And so I think that through association, they're harmed perhaps in their reputation, or people may look at them differently. And I, I mean. I certainly experienced that. I'm I'm out in the front lines though, and people will assume whatever they want until they read the book, and even then they can read the book and still assume what they want. You know, I don't I can't control that, which is one of the hard things about um, a going public and then b putting my life out there for scrutiny. Yeah, but, what is the mm. book to you? Like, is it is it a 
Is it an explanation? Is it an apology? Is it a defense? Is like a declaration? It's kind of all of those things. Yeah. It's all it, absolutely. I mean, I think they start off the book in the author's note with an apology um, to anyone I may have hurt or or ostracized. Um, it's a declaration of of my beliefs about what I've learned in the process. It's a template. Is mm. I think the biggest thing saying this is how it works. This is this is the template for how cults work, how they prey on people, and also how to get out, uh, which is something that I'm very passionate about and may also be a next stage for me because people have reached out to me mostly from the podcast, also the book. Mm-hmm. People who who were listening or reading and going, oh my god, I'm in an abusive group. Yeah, and a, and a high control, high thought control group, and they want to know how to get out, and they want, and I'm like connecting them with journalists and connecting them with therapists and resources. I love that. See, I'm still helping people. You're still <laughs> helping people. I mean, you're still trying. It's like they took advantage of your energy, like the the yes. natural you, you know, yeah. and and maybe preyed on a bit of the insecurities that comes with being an isolated actor. Yeah, you know, Both. as well. Both for sure. That's something that actually a lot of cult specialists talk about is that cults love hardworking driven um what's the word for when you have a vision of uh, idealist oh I, yeah an ideal yeah. i'm an idealist i'm very positive I'm perhaps too trusting not anymore i'm not joining any group or going to any yeah don't anything. even try to ask her no, okay no, people ask me to, to some personal <laughs> development seminar that i will not name and i was like do you know my story back the fuck off i'm not going this is internet. You can see. Nope, not good. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Sorry. How do you think this? You know, because you have been back on on set, and I'm yeah. assuming you're doing auditions and stuff. Just recently, back to yeah. auditions. Yeah, back to auditions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how, how do you think the entire experience of you know that big chunk of your life is impacting your art? Um, hmm. In some ways, I feel kind of like untouchable you know like hey I took down a sociopathic narcissistic cult leader yeah you with the did. FBI not me personally but nope. I mean well I mean with a small group of people I don't want I don't ever want to take credit for the whole like I, it was a big part of it for sure I was the face of it because I had been I had the physical abuse to prove it yeah but other people had played like really instrumental roles anyway side side note that whole experience is a is a world um what's the word mom brain um I mean it's just shaped me and in and and helped me understand who I am and my character more than anything else it's one of those big life events that you know I'm I'm 42 it's always going to be part of this happened I was spent my whole 30s with ESP I'm unbreakable if I can get through this I'm unbreakable right that's and that that drives me and that and like nothing people want to talk shit I'm okay, you know? Yeah. That speaks more to their character than mine. Keith's in jail, so what, yes, what are you going to do? Right? Yes, he, yes like, he let's, is. Let's focus on that. Keith is in jail, and I'm auditioning for whatever. So I'm, so, but at the same time, also very, you know, we put yourself, people know my life, right? And I chose that. I put it in paper, and they can read it, and they can know the whole story. I don't know if everyone's read it. It makes me also feel a little bit, extra vulnerable so it's like but I think that true vulnerability also you know reinforces true strength because if you can really own that and be like this is who I am then nothing can touch you so yeah and they and people have a lot of different ways to learn your story right it's it's out there if you're podcast form or long form article and um I, I think though what was the most shocking to me 
and and the most where I was like, damn, this woman is brave, was was the photo, was the New York Times. Um, can mm-hmm. can you tell me a bit about what motivated you to to do sure. to do that, to put yourself on the front page of one of the biggest <laughs> newspapers of the world, you know, showing a, a, a scar that you received as a result of violence, mm-hmm. you know, um, was that a I'm doing this and there's no going back now? Was that a yeah. f you to to everybody? It was a it was a couple of things yeah. at the time. Truly, I was not really considering the New York Times and the scope of that. It was this is before Keith was arrested, right? Yeah. This is before the any the FBI were involved. In fact, it was that article that got them involved, which yeah. is so I'm glad that I did it. You know, obviously, but um, we knew that we had to blow the whistle, and we knew that it was it was steamrolling and they knew and they knew that we knew they knew that we were out now and we had to go to the most reputable news outlet yeah and mutual friends knew barry meyer of the new york times they introduced us he he vetted us because it was such a crazy story yeah and he said the same thing that you said to me at the beginning he's like you sound like very smart and put together and educated i this is the craziest story i've ever heard need to interview a number of the women so he made to back up my story and make sure that it was legitimate yeah um the picture was it would they asked me if I would if I would do it and they said look really just legitimize the story because otherwise people can't believe it and and really the the main reason at the time was to shut down Nexium and free the other slaves yeah and that's really why I did it because I knew that there were women who were in there still thinking it was good and not understanding they were part of something that Keith was the head of yeah and that they were being groomed for sex for him and I, that r- truly was my main motivation to shut this fucker down and free those women free the slaves and that was like I, I and because of my role in the company I knew that it was it was only me that could do it. Yeah, I was I was a high ranking person, and people respected me and they liked me. I mean, I was their poster child. Yeah, but overnight I was the defector and the suppressive and the liar and yeah. all these things. And you literally had to escape from your home, you yeah. know, and go on the run to yeah. get away from these people. Yeah, because so, it's big, big money involved as well. Big money, and we didn't know at the time like what a blowout it, it would be you know the FBI would get involved and they'd take it very seriously and they'd arrest the guy and they'd arrest everyone involved and the, the trial we thought it would be like five ten years yeah. in court and it was done very quick because this is the era yeah you know, this is a this is a movement going back to like where I am now as an artist I feel very driven and very passionate about being part of that zeitgeist yeah and of exposure and 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 um Speaking up and and, exposing. and as a woman as well. I mean, we're sitting here in the studio on the day that Harvey Weinstein, yes, you know, was convicted, and he's going to jail. Yes. you know, so it's like, and I that didn't even seem conceivable, you know, a, f- yeah. a few years ago. You know, like as far as I'm concerned, this is part of the, this is all part of the Me Too, Times Up, zeitgeist. Absolutely, you know, and so you're part of. I feel part of very riled up. When I, like I just got my goosebumps when you mentioned Harvey Weinstein. I haven't read the article yet, but I'm, uh, I saw that came up on my watch. Like that he, I got a new extra, um, a new story thing came up on my watch that he was convicted. And I'm, you know, it sends a message and we got the Peter Nygaard mm-hmm. and, you know, Canadian Epstein. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's all happening. It, it's all <laughs> happening. Yeah. I, I, I wept this morning when I saw that. Um, but I also am aware that this is the, there's still a lot more work to do. Yes. But the difference between now and five years ago is that there's hope. 
we're mm. actually gonna we're taking these dudes down. Mm -hmm. It's largely dudes. Yeah. You know. And people and people take those allegations seriously. They take them seriously. Yeah. yeah. Um man. You, I just had thought of something. Can I yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I, I, I know you have so many questions, I'm sure. I have questions, yeah. and I just, like, I, I, you know, you say what you got to say. Um, I want to well, cry again, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, can, we need tissue in here. Yeah. Um, this is a hard thing to say, but you said, what are the misconceptions? I had the awareness when the Harvey story originally broke and hearing about those women that had I not gone through my own experience, I, I was I was cognitively aware that my thought before may have been, and I'm, I'm hesitant to say this because I don't get shit for it. My thought may have been, they shouldn't have gone up to the room. Hmm. What were they thinking? How did they not know? Had I not gone through my experience, and yeah. because of my experience, I had empathy for them. Yeah, and I knew what it took. But I also know that most people haven't had my experience and they're going to look at those women and think that. And so that also drives me is I, I want people to read this and go, oh, that's what was happening. Yeah. You know, that's how you miss the signs. That's how you're you say yes. That's how you get in that situation. Well, there's and there's also you can't a disbelief leave. as well as to be like that. Nothing bad's gonna happen. That doesn't happen to yeah. people like me. Like that doesn't happen. Like he's not gonna. He's not gonna do anything like that. You know, mm -hmm. there's a disbelief because you don't think people are gonna be that way. Mm -hmm. And yet, no, people are that way. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, and also not everybody is that way. And not mm -hmm. everybody is that way. Yeah. Um, and it's you, you have to be educated, and you have to know good boundaries, and you have to tr like trust your instinct, and all those things. Like I want to put in a bottle and give to young women. Yeah, you know, which, and also dudes, don't rape people. Seriously, stop raping stop. people. <laughs> like that's something too. You yeah. know, we everything is on us, right? As yeah. as women, like it's mm -hmm. about like the choices we make. You know, and like I I remember being pregnant. I ended up I have a daughter, mm -hmm. but being like I want a son. You know, I I want to raise a, a a young man who you know like can listen to women mm -hmm. and can talk about sex and doesn't mm -hmm. think it's all about him and we'll re and we'll you know there's going to be no misreading of signals because we're going to talk about how you have a conversation mm -hmm. you know anyway yeah yeah that's a good message it is a good yeah I'll stop sure it, raping people <laughs> yeah find, you know find another way find another that's not romantic well i mean even the way that how stalking is still being treated as some kind of romantic device in rom-coms is like no that's violence mm -hmm. that's horrible um i want to just talk a little bit more about about guilt mm -hmm. um i remember seeing you at uh one of the events one of the film and TV events. Uh, I think you were pregnant. Maybe it was the UBCP Awards mm. a few years ago. We didn't talk, but I knew he were. And it was shortly after, I think, the podcast had come right. out. And and I remember thinking, like, I hope she doesn't, like, I th it's so cool she's here tonight. And I hope she doesn't feel bad. And I hope mm -hmm. she's having, like, only good experiences with mm -hmm. people tonight. And that nobody is giving her a hard time. Oh, you know? like. You. But, but I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering about, like, like, do you feel... Do you feel guilty at all, especially yeah. at industry events where you're you are sharing space with people who might have come to ESP, mm -hmm. might have gotten something great out of it, you know? But but in the end, like they are now associated with you know something that has a, a horrible sex cult, you mm -hmm. know, at the at the head of it, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's a 
kind of a convoluted answer, which is that I've, I mean, I have experienced extreme guilt and extreme shame and it's been two and a half years and I've, through therapy, I've been taught that thank I Thank God for therapy. Thank God for, and I have a team of therapists, like cult therapists, regular psychologists, couples counselor, energy healer, like all, I do it. Oh, doing good. Everything that I can do to <laughs> get better. And everyone's like, you have to let that go. You've always had good intentions. Anyone who knows your heart and your character knows that. And you know that. Yeah. But, you know, because of the hundreds of people that I brought in and the hundreds of people they brought in, thousands came in through my network, right? Yeah. And I will always be looking out for those people yeah. and making sure that they're okay. And that's been a huge part of my journey is trying to figure out who needs help, who, you know, who um, wanted to be part of the legal action and who needs a lawyer and who... Uh, needs a job and who needs therapy and yeah. and giving them my book like I don't want anyone to spend any more money on anything ESP related and yeah um that's it's obviously it, I feel terrible that I brought if I brought any pain to people and I don't think that, that that I did for some I do think that some people are better off and where people aren't I've been trying to help and, yeah. and fix that and that's part of my repairing but I'm also trying to not beat myself up because yeah. that's such a big part of what Nexium did is they wanted you to feel like shit underneath everything so you'd pay for more courses right that's part of the the bait, the bait and switch and they yeah. were not inexpensive those no, courses no thousands and thousands of dollars um so it's it's a I don't like to use the word guilt because I don't want to beat myself up but I I mean I'm still fixing my damages that so is part it, of yeah. your healing journey yeah. for sure do you mm -hmm. think do you think knowing the industry as you do, knowing, you know, our people mm -hmm. <laughs> as you do, that something like Nexium or ESP could could um, work its way in here again? Or like or is something else like like ESP happening here? I haven't heard of anything in particular, but I mean there's lots of big organizations that are way more successful that still exist and were in, in operation before ESP came. Mm. Um I don't want to say them because I don't want to get sued, but like if you know, do there's I have friends, acquaintances in groups that are still promoting, and think they're a part of something good, and I know that they're not. Yeah. Um, but I I do think that that you know, I think that artists are are ripe for being. Um, conned in in various different ways, but I also think the community is probably wiser now. I yeah, mean, I know I sure am. Um, and I, I remember even doing intros in the early days where every now and then people would be like, yeah, I was raised Jehovah's Witness or I was raised this or that. I don't do this. And I'm like, oh, but that, you know, that's not what this is. Yeah. But they had the internal, you know, alarm bells go off related to their own template. And they mm -hmm. go, this is too similar. Yeah. I didn't have that. You know, so I think once you have that, you can spot even intuitively, okay, there, you know, even a, I was invited to a yoga thing where everyone's sort of idolizing this leader. And, um, well, I don't know if you've seen the Bikram doc as well. Haven't seen the Bikram, but I I, I was invited to, uh, it was called Dawn Yoga, D-A-H-N okay. Yoga. And um, it was not like any yoga class I'd ever been to. And uh, and then I did some research into it because that's when I had some alarm bells yeah. going off. And uh, apparently, like they're well known for people dying at their retreats and stuff. Oh my goodness! And, well, Bikram, yeah. I mean, the, I just I haven't finished the documentary because it was so triggering for me. But it's the same thing. You yeah. know, it's the leader. He's presenting this this spiritual path, but also an opportunity, a business path. People were had trained with him to a certain degree and were going up there. 
you know, their ladder, and then Keith, and then Keith Bikram would start to. <laughs> I demand. mean, that's quite the slip. Yeah, but it's right? always it's, this cult of personalities. It's the same thing. Yeah, and then and then having sex with them, and then and then they felt like they couldn't leave because they still wanted to open their center, which Bikram had to approve. So same thing. And uh, he's uh, what I do know is that he is on the run in Mexico, which is also where where Keith went to flee. So I was like, Bikram, come on, this has been done before. <laughs> yeah. find, find your Get own. some originality. Yeah, do your own. Gosh. Thing. Hiring professional performers makes all the difference to the success of any recorded media project. Did you know that the Union of BC Performers, ACTRA, provides agreements for all budgets and types of productions, including commercials, TV series and movies, feature films, from big budget to Canadian indies and student films, animation series, video games, web series, and even streaming video on demand, like Netflix? For instance, our highly successful UBCP ACTRA Ultra Low Budget Agreement encourages and facilitates artistic collaboration between professional performers and independent producers who wish to produce very low budget or even no budget productions. No matter what your budget, we've got you covered, and you too can benefit from UBCP ACTRA's award-winning world-class performers. So, if you need actors, voiceover artists, stunt coordinators, stunt performers, singers, dancers, puppeteers, stand-ins, background performers, ranging across any age or demographic, then just contact us at UBCP ACTRA. Make your project the very best that it can be. This message was read by a UBCP ACTRA member. Go to ubcp.com for more information. I would love to hear about your re-entry into acting uh, in the aftermath of everything. Um, wh- what do you want now? Like, what are you looking for? If I could really have my dream life right now, I mean, this is just right now because I have a very cuddly one, uh, almost one-year-old and a oh, five-year-old. Okay. And they're very, that's a very different um, age period and require very different parenting. Yeah. I really just want to be with them. Yeah. You know, and, and, and spend time with them. That being said, I also would like to work. Yeah. Um, and voice work is great because the time commitment is very limited. And yeah. I love voice work. And it's so cool to go and present at my son's school and show them all the voices I can do and bring in the My Little Pony figurines. And, you know, because most five-year-olds know My Little Pony. Absolutely. Right? I did not bring the book. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's focus on mommy's voice career, shall we? Yeah, that's what I do. Do you guys know about voice? Listen, I, I believe give kids information about yes. stuff, you know, in an age appropriate way. Yeah. I'm totally kidding. Yeah. So my son knows that I wrote a book and one day he will um, know about the content. But I did read here in or my entry, I don't know if you saw this, the inscription. Why don't you read that? It says, to my beautiful boys, you have taught me what love really is. I hope one day when you're old enough, you will read this and be proud of your mama. That makes me cry every time because I really do hope they're proud and not like, oh my God, my mom was crazy and was in a cult. Listen, every mom is little bonkers, so True. that's fine. That's because why we have the mom brain, but of course they're proud and they're going to so. be proud. Um, I know that you've had some events recently mm-hmm. where you are going and reading the book and meeting people. What's, what's some of the feedback that you are getting? You know... Um, it really ranges. I think like my family would love for me to not talk about this anymore, and it's, yeah. it's traumatizing and triggering for them. And I totally respect that. Um, I'm trying to not 
have it affect them anymore. But I think from the, the biggest impact for me is hearing how people who don't know me, don't know the story, how reading it um, has affected them. And, mm. and they don't, there's like maybe a dozen or two dozen cases where people have reached out to me from other groups and and said this is so helpful because they're reading about another group so they can integrate their own experience yeah. and go, oh, that's happening here. Yeah, and that's very familiar. Yeah, very familiar. Yeah. One woman actually left um, her, her group and um, because of the podcast and uh, and and said that the, the book helped her hold the leader accountable in her own way, which was great. Um, but... I'd say, like, generally, we had an event at Banyan Books. Uh, I'm so glad you didn't bring your daughter, by the way. <laughs> so would have been so not appropriate for her, but I'd love to meet her another time. Yeah. Um, but no, granted, I would. It was it was a child care night. Yes. I would. She would have brought headphones and her oh, iPad gotcha, and oh, stuff. Gotcha, yeah. uh, she wouldn't have been there for all of the content. The yeah, content. I would have felt very oh bad about that, but because um, <laughs> Banyan Books is a gorgeous bookstore that is literally in this neighborhood store. in Kitsilano. Yeah. Very healing space. Yeah, a very healing space. And I walked in there and. And was expecting like a handful of people and there was almost 80 people oh and my gosh it, and mostly people who were fans of the book or the podcast and wanted to get it signed and ask more detailed questions somebody drove up from seattle hmm. to to meet me and have me sign the book but their questions were i mean it just felt very affirming like i did the right thing in coming out and being public and speaking about it and it because that's i always you know part of being a nexium graduate is that there's a lot of self-doubt yeah and i still have that in my in my head like oh man like but um no that those events are are really affirming and and make me feel like it was a good choice but um trying to think of what else um acting events are harder because Mm -hmm. i i don't um i am self-conscious a little bit about how I may have affected people. Yeah. And Has anybody like, you know, had a few glasses of wine and then then got up in your face and stuff? No one's got up in my face. Good. No, no one's got up in my face, but it, the people, there's some shit talking, but that's fine. You know, like, again, it speaks more to, to their pain, I think, than, yeah. than what I did. Um, and not everyone's going to like it. And I, would I have done things differently? Absolutely. But then I wouldn't be here and Keith wouldn't be in jail, so it all worked out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, five years from now, mm. where do you envision yourself? We still talking yeah. about this? I don't think so. Yeah. No, I think I'm. I think I'm ready to put it behind me. Um, I think it's always going to affect me. Yeah. And I'll always still be an advocate. Um, when you oh, when you asked what's next, there have been a couple people who have reached out to have me join their various advocacy um, oh, okay. organizations, which I think would be something that would be interesting to me. I, I contemplated for a little bit becoming a, a psychotherapist and helping people with exiting cults, but the energy is really dark and and I don't, I just don't, I, I kind of just want to focus on the light and, yeah. and move on, which is, I mean, I'm incredibly grateful to have acting to fall back to or back on because... A lot of the movies that are made here are are perfect for and exiting dark and entering light and <laughs> yes, just they you know, are. a nice safe community of of um, wonderful um, fellow f- filmmakers and artists and I, that that feels good to me. Good. Um, I don't. To be honest, I'm still at a crossroads of what's next. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. And I've decided I don't need to decide quite yet. I'm just gonna chill here for a bit. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, you can literally chill in the studio yeah. here while you're figuring it out. <laughs> I mean, because, I mean, you have, you've shared so much of yourself, you mm-hmm. know, like, because other people with a different kind of personality, mm-hmm. you know, might have just, 
I mean, ran away and then just stayed hidden, you know, mm-hmm. but you've, you've, um, I have a lot of respect for you, for Thank your, you. your courage, for, for opening yourself up, you know, in that way, you're helping people, you're changing lives, you're saving lives. Thank you. So I, I, I feel very grateful for that and, and try to remember that when there's criticism because it's like 1% versus 99%, but 1% hurts still. 1% really, really hurts. Yeah. What about pouring your story into a dramatic work? Is that something that you've thought of? Has anybody suggested that to you? It's, you know, maybe in the works. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> okay, you'll come and tell us first, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. We'll do part two. Uh, oh, and then part three and then part four. Mm-hmm. Um, we always do a little bit of, of time travel in mm-hmm. this podcast, which is something that I love. Uh, if you could go back in time uh, and, and have a conversation with a younger version of yourself, perhaps leaving a screening, your first screening mm-hmm. of What the Bleep, mm-hmm. and uh, give yourself some advice you know, that might spare you some pain mm-hmm. or steal you for, for the, the journey ahead, what would you say? Uh, caveat is that as painful as this has been, I wouldn't change anything because yeah. of the results and you know how everything has come together now. But it would have been great to just have seen what the bleep. And what I would say to myself is um, that I would say, Sarah, you have everything you need inside you. And you can go and explore and learn and read and meet people, but no one is a guru. You're your own guru, and you will you will you will love yourself, and you will learn to accept yourself on your own path. But don't let anyone else determine your worth, and don't put your don't put your brain and your mind in anyone else's hands because it's very delicate. And just go forward, and you're gonna be great. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, that's very good. You are great. You've always been great. You are already great. Keep being great. (laughs) Thank you. Sarah Edmondson, it's been a pleasure. Where can our listeners find you on the social media? The social meds. um, uh, Sarah Edmondson on Instagram. Um, I think Twitter is Sarah J. I'm bad with Twitter. I'm learning. Sarah J. Edmondson. Okay. We'll have links to all of these social media accounts in the footnotes. And the book is available... Like at everywhere. All, at all bookstores. At you all know, bookstores. Indigo, Chapters, Banyan, um, Book Warehouse. really good. Yeah. Book Warehouse is great, yeah. too. Honestly, yeah. they're all good. And we will be giving away a couple of copies, signed copies. Signed copies, um, absolutely. Of SCARD. Uh, just uh, keep an eye on yvrscreenscene.com and our social media feeds. And she's got her fingers up. What does that mean? I also did the audible version. I narrated it, <gasps> which is my first narration ever. Wow. And it was really cool to do, and I learned a lot. So if you want to spend seven hours hearing me speak and you've got a road trip, Audible's great. And also Amazon delivers. And I think it's cheapest on Amazon, too. I think Amazon, um, I, that's how I got my own signed copy. Really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Think came, I went and signed them at the publishers, and then they delivered it through Amazon. I thought it was great. But you are awesome. going to like re-sign it for me today. Absolutely. I want a double signature, okay? Yes, just All right. for you. But yes, we will have some, some signed copies for you, our listeners. Uh, just keep an eye on our social media feeds to find out how you can win your own copy. 
All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for the amazing questions. Yeah. I'll come anytime. Thank you for the amazing answers. <laughs> Next time we'll be hearing about the project that you're not talking about right now. <laughs> All right. So, okay. To our listeners, thank you. Like and subscribe. Leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Firminger. And it's produced and edited by Simon Firminger. Special thanks to Mariana Firminger for recording our Patreon ad and to Tyson Braddock and Paul Firminger yes, we are a family business, for technical support, and to Dane, not Firminger, Devalet for the original music. YVF Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And... 